Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging and how to create well home design in our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, and educator, a TV interviewer, host, and news commentator. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air and our February episode on National Caregiver Day, Soulmates and Solo Agers, and Heart Health Month and Go Red. I'm your host, Sherry Snelling, and this February episode, as I mentioned, we're going to open with National Caregiver Day, which is on February 17th, where we're going to be celebrating the 53 million Americans across the country who are caring for a loved one over the age of 18. And my guest today is Karina Edwards, who is the CEO of Quill, and we're going to learn from Karina how technology is really supporting our family caregivers and also our older adults who want to live at home as long as possible and maybe living alone. So we're going to really jump into this kind of caregiving support that we can get from technology. And Karina is going to tell us all about that. So that's a great interview. It's tech to the rescue. And then in our caregiver wellness news, you know, Valentine's Day is February 14th. And I wanted to highlight a love story that I had been involved in, in terms of knowing this wonderful couple who is Dan Gadsby and his lovely wife, B. Smith, who we unfortunately lost in 2020. But I had the opportunity and the honor to work with them on a couple of different projects. And I felt like their love story was one that was perfect for Valentine's Day, but also highlighted our National Caregiver Day because a group of caregivers that often get overlooked are men and are our husbands who step into caregiving roles. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Dan and B's story and how it can be really inspirational, I think, for all of us. And then we're also going to touch upon a couple of studies that have come out more in the wellness area. So uh, great news for caregivers. And it plays into my upcoming book, which is Me Time Monday, the weekly self-care plan to balance body, brain, and a busy life. And it's our philosophy around baby steps. So really great study that came out. I want to share with you on that. And then, of course, we're going to dive into well home design news. And as I mentioned, we are talking about soulmates, but we're also talking about solo agers. And what that means are our older population who are living alone at home. And I'm going to share with you some of the innovation going on in the state of Maine. Interestingly, Maine is the state in the country that has the highest per capita percentage of older adults in the entire country. So they're doing a lot of things that really help support those older adults, particularly the ones that are living alone at home. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also going to talk about some of the, again, the great technology that's out there, both for aging in place, staying at home, but also for heart health. And then finally, we're going to wrap this all up as we always do with our Me Time Monday wellness hack. And for this episode, we're going to continue our theme of living colorfully, and we're focused on the color red, which represents, of course, love and also energy and heart health. So with that, let's dive into our caregiver wellness news. So 
for our caregiver wellness news, I want to start with this focus on February, which is Heart Health Month. And we just had our Go Red for Women celebration on February 3rd, which is why I'm wearing red for you today. But the American Heart Association puts out really great information about risk factors and lifestyle choices that we can make that will reduce those that risk that we have of cardiovascular disease and other um, heart health issues, as well as stroke. And, you know, it's really important to know kind of the key things. Obviously, I think it's, you know, we all know diet and exercise is really important. We know reducing stress is important. We know not to smoke, obviously, to limit our alcohol intake to mostly red wine and really have no more than probably four drinks or so a week. Uh, so that's one glass of red wine just uh, every couple of days, I guess, during the week. But I think there's something really important that we haven't talked enough about, and that's family history. And I wanted to share a story with you. I'm going to have a link to the article that I wrote. I interviewed a woman, Diane McGonigal, a couple of years ago. She was part of the Go Red for Women campaign, and she was a twin in great health. She was actually a Pilates instructor. She was in her early 50s and just really did everything right. She was eating right, exercising, you know, obviously reducing her stress with with a good exercise and all of that. And yet this one morning she told me she just had this, you know, tremendous pain and it was mostly in her left arm. And this is something really interesting because for heart attacks, we know that there are certain symptoms and pain in the chest for both men and women can certainly be a sign, but it's usually more of a sign for men, whereas women tend to feel nauseated, dizzy, a little bit faint and have pain in their neck and their shoulder area, and typically their left arm. So just know the difference a little bit in men and women when it comes to that. But she had these symptoms. She really didn't feel like she was going to be able to get over it. So she did have her husband take her to the emergency room. And they checked her out, and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. And she kind of grabbed the nurse's arm and she said, I know there's something wrong with me. And if I leave the CR, I think I'm going to die. Now, we normally don't are not that intuitive in terms of our body, but this is a woman who obviously knew her body well. She worked out. And I think it's really important for us to understand we are the best advocates for ourselves. Our loved ones are as well because they know us. But sometimes the doctors, you know, they kind of miss some of the warning signs. And this was one that was so... It wasn't like, you know, okay, she's absolutely on the verge of a heart attack. They couldn't figure out why this very foot woman was having this problem. Anyway, they went in and they did some more tests. And long story short, she actually had a very tiny widowmaker heart attack. Now, a widowmaker heart attack is a usually a massive heart attack that will kill you instantly, which is why they call it a widowmaker. And for Diane's sake, because of her age being, I think she was only 52 at the time, in really good physical health, um, she was obviously able to survive and overcome that. So, what, you know, thankfully, she knew something was wrong. They finally got the right diagnosis, and then she was on the road to recovery. But interestingly, and the, the story I wanted to share with you is she said to me she knew nothing about her family's heart health. And she had a twin sister, by the way. And so they both started digging into asking questions of different family members. And what they found out is that they had, I think it was a great uncle and then one of their grandfathers on uh, one side of the family, both had these Widowmaker heart attacks. And so knowing that she had a family history of this would have maybe 
made her, you know, even more advocate for herself. Thankfully, she did when she was in the ER. But I think it's really important because we don't know enough about our family health history. So, you know, take some time when you're with your family, figure out what are the things that have, you know, impacted, whether it's been cancer, heart disease, diabetes, COPD, you know, certainly now with Alzheimer's, um, we're thinking about it. Although I will say with Alzheimer's, there is a very low genetic risk unless you're diagnosed with early onset, which I'm going to talk about in a minute with Dan Gadsby Smith's story. But typically Alzheimer's, when you're diagnosed later in life, there isn't a genetic connection that means that your kids or your grandkids or whatever will get it. But with heart health, definitely there is a family connection. So I just wanted to give you that story. And as I said, I'll have a link to it. Diane was really wonderful to share that with me. And I think it really illustrates, particularly as women, how we have to really pay attention to all of the factors that can be a risk for these things. The other thing is there's a new study out. So in Caregiver Wellness News, um, real great study that came out. It was actually done in the UK. And what it found is that, you know, we often think, okay, yeah, we've got to get 30 minutes of aerobic exercise in every single day. That's really, really tough, particularly if you're a family caregiver, to find that time to be able to do that. And this study said, you know, actually, if you can get in some kind of moderate exercise, the more aerobic, the better for your heart. But any kind of exercise um, for six to 10 minutes a day that's enough. And I think that's a really great message because let's face it, no matter how crazy and busy our lives get, I know we can get overwhelmed and we seem like we just can't find any moment at all. But if you really think about it, we can find six or seven to 10. I like the word, you know, I like the number seven because that fits into our whole seven aspects of life, but um, that's in my new book coming out. But, um, you know, seven to 10 minutes a day is doable. And the more aerobic, the better, certainly for heart health, but also think about this. What's good for your heart is good for your brain. So, you know, the um, we don't know exactly how we can prevent Alzheimer's, but we do know that there are lifestyle factors and those include things like aerobic activity, that will help with brain health and and do become protective um, in terms of the risks that we might have later in life for Alzheimer's disease. So if we can find just those, it's baby steps, right? It's not about, you know, taking on this big, huge new exercise program. And I know we just had the new year and everyone's probably still doing fairly well, although, you know, this is about the month where everybody starts dropping off from their, their latest, greatest habits. But you can find those seven to 10 minutes a day and whether it's just breathing exercises, getting outside and doing a great walk or whatever you can do um, that helps, you know, give you that, that stress relief, but also gives you a little bit of that heart pumping. Um, it's going to be great for both your heart and your brain. So let me turn now to Valentine's Day. I mentioned up front in the intro that we were talking about soulmates. Um, and certainly I think one of the the better love stories that I've come across and that I was personally a, a witness to, if you will, was the story of Dan Gadsby and his lovely wife, B. Smith. And I had the opportunity to work with them on several occasions. I actually interviewed the two of them when their book came out called Before I Forget. And if for any of you who are looking for a really insightful book about what Alzheimer's disease does, particularly when you're in a relationship, this is probably one of the better books that's out there because they write it from the perspective of each of them. Obviously, B had been diagnosed. And I mentioned, you know, earlier about genetic connection. She was diagnosed with early onset. And what that means is you have a diagnosis of Alzheimer's before the age of 65. That tends to carry 
a little higher prevalence of a genetic connection. So that does mean that you probably did have a family member um, who had this disease of early onset Alzheimer's and now you had a higher risk for it. Um, she didn't know that about her family and we don't have that information, but that is more typical versus when you're diagnosed later in life, there really is no risk factor that's higher than just the average risk for your other family members. Anyway, so getting back to this, um, they wrote the book when B was diagnosed she understood what was going to happen to her. And so she writes about that fear. She writes about what's going to happen when I really don't remember how to do this or do that. What's going to happen to Dan? Dan obviously writes about, you know, that loss, that loss of having that partner and that companion. They had been in business together because B was so successful. She wrote books. She had restaurants. She was on the Today Show. She did a lot of home goods. She had home good um branded goods in a lot of different stores. Um, and so they, and he was basically the business brains behind all of that for her. And so they were really in this life together and they were starting to lose each other in a certain way. It's a really beautiful poignant book. It's a beautiful love story. And as I said, I was, I was so grateful that I got to know them and learn their story. And then we did some work together after that for ARP um, and some other organizations. So I, I got to see, unfortunately, the progression of the disease with B and the toll that it was taking on Dan. And that's one thing I wanted to shout, do a shout out to the men out there who are caregiving for a loved one, typically a spouse. Um, but, you know, we know that, for instance, with Alzheimer's disease, we know that 66% of those cases are are women. And what that means is more and more husbands are probably going to be falling into this role of caregiver for their wives who have Alzheimer's disease. Um, you know, a lot of the other diseases that we see, whether it's heart disease or, um, you know, diabetes or others, um, they tend to affect men and women somewhat equally, but we have a higher prevalence in Alzheimer's for women um, being diagnosed and more men now stepping into the caregiver role, which by the way, you know, 60% of family caregivers are still women, but 40% are men. And we find more and more men who are becoming that primary caregiver. So a big shout out to not just the men, but all of our family caregivers on this National Caregiver Day, February 17th. That's your day. We're going to celebrate you and say thank you so much for what you do, because you really are the largest volunteer healthcare long-term care army that we have here in the U.S. So thank you. Um, and then, you know, I also wanted to talk a little bit about um, some uh, a speaking engagement I have coming up. I mentioned Alzheimer's disease. Big shout out to um, a colleague um, of mine who I just adore, Brooks Kenny, who is now the brains behind the marketing and branding strategy for Altoida. And she invited me to do... Um, a speaking engagement with her for Kensington Senior Living and the families that are connected to Kensington. And so we just did that. It was a wonderful, wonderful turnout. And again, there's so much interest now in Alzheimer's disease. So a lot of things that have to do with heart health also have to do with brain health. And that's a little bit of what we talked about last week. And um, we just are, you know, it's good that we're learning more about how we can keep our body and our brains um, functioning and stay as healthy as long as possible. So with that, I'm going to go into my interview with Karina Edwards, who's the CEO of Quill. 
And you're going to learn some really fascinating things about what technology can do to really become almost like a virtual caregiver, if you will, uh, particularly for our loved ones who live alone or if we're long distance caregivers and, you know, we can't be there every day to kind of check in with mom or dad. Um, this is something that can certainly help, but it's it's got a lot of really wonderful pieces to it when it comes to privacy and some other things that I know are an issue when we talk about technology and caregiving. And Karina's going to tell us all about that. So here is my interview with Karina Edwards, CEO of Quill. So I'm really excited to have my guest on today, who is Karina Edwards, the CEO of Quill. And she's going to tell us what Quill is all about. But Karina, I want to start with, first of all, welcoming you to Caregiving Club on Air. And also, tell us where we're talking to you from today. Thank you for having me. You are talking to me, uh, talking to me from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wonderful. I, as I mentioned earlier, I think you're our first guest from Philadelphia. So that's exciting. We're filling out, you know, every state in the union so far. So thank you for representing the Pennsylvania <laughs> group. Thank um, you. Downtown, right on Market Street. <laughs> absolutely. So as I as I kind of teased in the opener here, um, tell us what Quill is and how it works. Okay, so Quill uh, is a all-in-one solution for personal safety, home safety, and caregiving. And so what we've done is we've taken the connected home system. So we, uh, you know, we'll talk about the company in a bit, but uh, we've taken a home security company uh, and basically twisted that technology to say, hey, caregivers, one of the things that you are worried the most about is how is mom? Is she okay at home? She wants to live at home. She doesn't really want to wear the thing, the button, but she just needs to be safe. And so we've created an extra set of ambient signals with home sensors, door detectors, monitors to do patterns and trends and make sure that we know everything's okay. She's up and around. Her patterns are the same. Nothing's changed. And when they do change, we alert. Well, and what I love about this is, as you said, you know, I think one of the biggest obstacles, I know for my mom, for instance, my mom lives alone uh, since my stepdad passed away and I worry about her and there's stairs and all those kinds of things, but you know, she doesn't want a camera on her. She doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want to have that nanny cam kind of thing going on. So this really helps with the privacy, particularly for those older adults and parents and grandparents who may be living alone. So, you know, if you can give us a little bit more around that, but it doesn't, it doesn't invade their privacy, I guess is what I'm saying. Tell us how you accomplish that. Yeah. So the first thing we do is we we don't spy, right? This is a full, you know, discussion with your senior or your older adult that basically says, listen, you know, you want to live alone as for as long as you can. Um, you're having some challenges navigating. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is say, listen, what signals am I going to listen for? I'm mm -hmm. going to see like what time you get up, what time you go to bed, how many rooms you go into in a given day. If you've gone to the kitchen normally five or six times a day, and now you're only in there twice today, it's going to give me a little like hmm, different pattern. If you mm -hmm. normally sleep on average about nine hours, like I don't care how long you sleep, but if you're sleeping like four hours, going to give me an alert. If I notice, right, if we decide that uh, you've been having some new medications and so now we may want to do bathrooming and understanding just patterns, you know, not 
no cameras, no video, no audio. This is just like, you know, we've detected in our beta population UTIs just because of frequency of visits. Things that you're not even thinking about because, you know, you have a new medication that came into the mix and that they said it was a random side effect. And now you're like, well, wait a second, what's going on? So these are just patterns of daily living and trends. And so that's what makes the seniors receptive enough because they want the support. They just don't want right. to be Who wants exactly? To well, and I love that because, as you said, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? And there's there's so much about getting older and some of the, you know, some of the physical and and other things that we may encounter that um, we're not in tune to. So this really kind of is a real help in that. So tell me first of all how Quill came to to be sure. because I know it was a collaboration um, between um, Comcast and Independence Health Group, but how did you come together to create Quill? Yeah, so Quill is a joint venture. And so that's the fun part here. We're a 50-50 joint venture between Comcast, NBC Universal, and Independence Blue Cross here in Philadelphia. And this all came together with saying, listen, we have technologies and we have reach that we can bring to bear between the two parent companies. That if we do so together and in collaboration, think about how we can impact caregiving and people's ability to stay safe at home. And Mm -hmm. so uh, it's about connectivity. It's about understanding of health. It's about health and wellness and literacy. Because one of the interesting things here is as caregivers, speak to the caregiving you know, side okay. of this, only about 14% of American adults can navigate the U.S. healthcare system. We have a literacy I believe balance <laughs> that is, and so it's fun with the reach of the system. So today, Quillasure is the ambient sensors in the house. The app is geared to the caregiver. The senior can participate in the app if they want to or not. They don't have to. Um, They have a button. If they want to use the button, we always tell people actually don't use the button, put it on the baseboards, uh, because when you fall, you're going to want that button close to you and not by the bed uh, where it is kept in a lovely little basket because you don't want to hurt it. And so it's just interesting, you know, when you start now thinking about education, we also have a TV channel. So if you're in a Comcast or a footprint, you can go to your voice remote and say, Quill Health. And the TV channel comes up and caregiving resources on how to start having the conversation with your elder, how to start thinking about, um, you know, the dueling responsibilities of being a caregiver, how to get your family and brother and sister to support you. And so all of those things that, you know, where to keep that medical information, can we have it all in one place? So we're, we're really trying to give them the tools they need to navigate a pretty long period because, you know, I manage four people lovingly over 78 and, you know, they have no intention. Like they're to the, to the day that they, you know, pass. It's no, no, no. I'm home. This is my right. house. Right. Yeah. And I, exactly. And I think that's what everybody wants is to stay in their home as long as possible. But we've got to have some of these, you know, some of these things that kind of help us out. So I love that because it is connected then to, you know, your your cable inside and yeah. your television and all of that. Now, you mentioned that obviously this uses technology like artificial intelligence. So it's very personalized. It's whatever your routine is, that's what the, you know, the patterns that you're watching for. But tell me a little bit about how that technology works? And then also, um, is there voice technology? So for instance, let's just say I did fall. Do I have to be able to reach for a button or how, how do I do that? What happens? Yeah, great question. So you know, first it's an ecosystem. So the core technology is the, the core kit, three motion sensors, two door detectors, and a button. Okay. That's the core kit. If you want to add capabilities, Right. So the AI right there forms the pattern and understands how you move about the house. It understands like your movements. And we also name the room 
sensors are in. So we have context. If you name the room bedroom, we're going to assume sleep. If you name the room kitchen, we're going to. So there's lots of assumptions that go into the setup. From there, um, we can, because we're all app-based, right? We can use our voice assistants. And so we um, connect into Alexa, we connect into Siri. And so that's how, if there is no button anywhere accessible, you know, and I can't say her name because the, the phone will come up, right. I'll cover her voice. But like, <laughs> right. hey, Alexa, go ask go ask Quill, help, Quill for help, right? And these are all the voice commands that we can teach the senior to be able to, um, to, to share. But more important, I have for the caregiver. So the caregiver is like more tech savvy in their home. Hey, Alexa, tell me how mom's doing today. And it right. reads her off like a, hey, she was up and around at seven. She's been in the kitchen three times. Like it just goes through the daily pattern. So that peace of mind seeps back in. But yes. Well, and then if you want to add an Apple Watch, you want to add a we connect into that ecosystem as well. Which is really tremendous. And you you hit right on it, which is that peace of mind. I think as family caregivers, again, yeah, we don't want to hover and but we're concerned and, you know, we're at work and we've got all these things going on, maybe other family obligations. And then we're, you know, what's going on with mom? How's she doing today? So you're right. It's really a great support for family caregivers and kind of, you know, helps bridge that gap when you can't well, actually be there. And the one thing there. I'll add too on the, on the ecosystem, right? There's so many caregivers collectively have very similar needs, but right. seniors are in very different segments. Or I should say older adults are in very different segments. And so we have the very tech savvy, tech forward. You know, I live in a building in Philadelphia I love to brag about because it is a large building. It's about 700 units. The average age is 75. I live in like my perfect little like ecosystem to learn about my people that I'm supporting. Right. <laughs> because, you know, when I when I think about it, right, I have the 90-year-old that's super tech savvy, that's connected up and streaming and doing everything. And I also have like the 70-year-old like uses no technology, sits at a writing scribe desk and like wants to do that. So these right. are my neighbors. And so right. when you start thinking about this, you need solutions that fit the older adult to meet them where they are. But collectively provide this the caregiver with as much information as they can get for as tech savvy as they may want to be. Well, and what I love, you just, and, and also thank you for, you know, defining our older adults because often you see, okay, the box you check is over 65, but you and I both know that if you're in your sixties or even sometimes in your seventies, it's very different from being in your nineties, right? I mean, usually, and yeah. it doesn't mean that we're not still cognitively with it or whatever, but things do change over time. And so the nice thing about having, you know, something like Quill is that you can see those changes happening. So you can predict or even prevent certain things from happening. Yeah, my favorite alert. So I use this on my family. I loved it. Uh, you know, I think that the biggest thing is caregivers, uh, all of us, we have to approach the conversation very delicately, right? You know, with some of my elders, I can like hit them over the head with it. And others, I got to like, so your daughter's a CEO of a tech company. Like, hey, could you do me a solid? And like, I know you live in a three-story townhouse. Like, would you test our technology? Like, I want to make sure the signals go from the top of the floor to the basement. And my dad's like, oh, well, if it's going to help you out with work, of course. You know, <laughs> right. He's like fallen like four times. He's wound up in the ED. Like I'm allowed to share his information. I have like the, 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 the he's, he allows me to like tell his stories, but whoo, he's a hot mess. And so when, yeah. I, when I think about Quill, what it gives me, especially because I travel, it gives me that anomaly detection. And it also, the 
personalization, I think, is also important. So for all the caregivers that are listening, it's like, I will go back to an experience with my grandmother quickly. I was at Phillips and we bought the Lifeline acquisition way back in the day. I got a great subscription because it was like an employee thing. Yay. Awesome. I got it to my grandmother. And she wore the button. She was wearing it. She grabbed her um, laundry basket. She went down to the basement because that's where they did their laundry in that building, in her apartment building in Florida. And she mistakenly hit the button. And so then she went down to the basement, did her laundry, didn't know that somebody basically like EMS was like knocking on her right. door and broke the front door to get in because they thought she was in an emergency situation. Oh, when no. I tell you she never wore that button again, that sat by a <laughs> basket by her bed, like never to be touched. And I was like, right. no, no, it's okay if it happens. It's not a big deal. No. And you fast forward. And I say that story because I think it's important for people to realize that we have all this technology, but if we're not actually seeing the output, understanding the benefit, Right. Then what's the point of it? So like my right. father will never wear a button. He has an Apple watch. Every time I see him, I say, hey, what time it is? Oh, it's charging by the bed. Um, sometimes he thinks the Apple watch is the thing that he can talk on. So he leaves the phone at home. So it's like, <laughs> okay. So we have to really like look at these technologies and say, hey, with my father and his state of health, is he on the first floor, second floor, third floor? Where was he last detected? What was he last seen? And then escalate on their permission scale because my dad never wants EMS to be called ever, ever, ever. He will right. call 911. That, that's his wishes. Okay. So the right. app texts me. When there was right. an anomaly detection the other day, I got a text message saying, hey, no activity has been seen in the house for 15 minutes and we know he's home. Okay. So I call there you him. Go. Yeah. Hey, dad, what's going on? And so if I wasn't there to answer, the call center would call him. But nobody right. would call EMS because that was his wishes. So I think configurability here and living with the seniors' wishes in mind make yeah. this a receptive enough community. I think you're right. I think that it, again, it's putting the control in the in the older adults' hand. But it's also, as you said, if something, if an accident or something's happened, you get the alert so that they're not lying on the floor for four or five hours or a couple of days. Right? I mean, that's the and big not thing. Just that you. It's yeah. you, you, everyone you set up in your care circle, and then permissions of the care circle, right? His neighbor is in the care circle, but that's just because there's a lockbox on the front door if he has to get in. He has one level of permission. My husband right. and I are set up with a whole different level of permission to his information. So right. we're able to like make sure that all of that configurability is what the senior intends they want to have happen. And I think that's so important. I love that you explained that because I think a lot of people don't, uh, older adults in particular, again, don't understand that these sensors in the home, you have control over what they see yeah. and what information they give out. And that's really, that's really key. Well, One he goes in the app and tells me when yeah. it's right or wrong. Sorry. You know, right. like, hey, I was up like, you know, because it'll say like, oh, dad was up and around at 9 a.m. I was up at 8.45. I said, dad, up and around. It's not like, this isn't like your weather beacon. <laughs> Maybe the sensor was asleep at the time. Yeah. Um, so one thing I read about the product that I thought was really interesting is that even if in an emergency, like a disaster situation or something like where the internet goes down or or the power is out, this will still work. And I'm I'm confused by that. So explain how that works. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, unless this cell network of the region goes down, uh, this will still work because we have battery backup. We also have cellular backup. And so, um, you know, if the if the Wi-Fi is wonky, if internet gets cut, uh, if, if power is out, you know, clearly after eight hours, yes, this will eventually go down. But in that interim, 
speaking of power, um, <laughs> it was, it was, um, it's been, it's been helpful because that's the, that's the thing. So the, our, our CTO, uh, Dwight, his father has, yeah, his father's 92. And, uh, when that big storm came up through Virginia, they knew yeah. the power was at in dad's house because Quill notified Dwight that he was on, it was on, uh, battery backup. It's said, wow. hey, power out. I'm on battery backup. So then he knew to call his dad the cell phone and say, dad, keep your cell phone down, like lower all the things. You're not going to be able to charge it for a while. So save the battery. Right. So it's just a way to get in touch, to get notified about the environment of what's going on at home. Which is so great. This is where I love technology, right? Because it really does, you know, help with all that communication and making sure that we're staying connected and all those great things. So, um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I love what you've done and, it's so helpful, I think, for long distance caregivers in particular, you know, again, even those of us who may live in the same town or near our family, yes, we're gone during the day. But when you're long distance, it's really, really tough. And I, I think this is such a great idea to make sure you've got that comfort, you know, with the caregivers. I, I have a quick story. Um, I was at a conference in California. I was literally about to go on stage and speak to an audience. And I get a call from my father. And I was like, okay, uh, hi, well, you never call me. Like, what's going on? Oh, so sorry. You know, I just want to let you know I'm in the hospital, but it's okay. I'm okay. Um, uh, they're going to do a little procedure with my heart, but it's going to be fine. They're going to take me in in a couple of minutes, but like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. And I was like, okay, what <laughs> hospital are you in? And he said, oh, I'm in, uh, I'm in Brigham's and Women's. I said, time out. Your cardiologist is in VI Deaconess across the street. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the ED was too full. So they were able to get me in here. I was like, okay, so pause. <laughs> so yeah. I have to go speak. And I, I tell that story because the real time thing I didn't have that I right. have now, right. I didn't have the basic health information. I don't need his EMR. I don't need his patient portal. I need to know his cardiologist, their phone number, what location they're at. I need to know the on-call numbers for his doctors, his PCP, so I can alert them quickly in a in an event that says, hey, dad's in the hospital. Your PCP is going to check in. Your cardiologist will be consulting with the cardiologist there before they do anything. Pause. Right. Right. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. I, <laughs> you must have, the, during that speech that you gave, it's like, okay. <laughs> there was a lot of background. And then I remember I forgot to turn the notifications of my watch off and he called me oh. in the middle of the presentation. And I had to like quickly silence it. It turns out he butt dialed me. I was like, Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> he, he put the phone down wrong on the bed, but I was like, oh, okay, right. I'm stressed out here. But I was on the, I was on the red eye home that night. <laughs> right. Of course. But, oh, what a great story though, that, as you said, it kind of helps keep all the information, the yes. pertinent information that you really need, which is so critical. Well, this has just been so enlightening. And I think it's really exciting to see what technology can do to help us with, you know, with our families and our older, our older loved ones. Is there anything else we didn't cover that's really important that the audience should know? Yeah, I, I think the 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 key thing is for everyone listening out there, um, you know, I'm not just a CEO of a tech company. As you've heard my stories, I'm a caregiver. I understand where you're coming from, the things that you need. This is really meant to be a solution that can age with your older adult. It's meant to like start with peace of mind and get up to emergency support. And so I think my only advice would be as you're thinking about smart home technologies, as you're thinking about new ways to introduce your parents to a little bit of support, consider ambient because I do think the 
the when you need a button, there's already been a big incident. So like get ahead of it so you don't have to rush to put something in place in the future. Yeah, that's such a great idea. And as you said, getting ahead of things is so important. We talk about that, having the conversations, getting some of these things in place before the crisis happens is really critical. So um, Karina, tell us where can our listeners find out more about Quill and, and sign up for the service? So quillhealth.com. Uh, and you, you know, if you're, if you're, as you're listening, you know, there's promos running all the time. So uh, sign up for our newsletter. We uh, ship out emails uh, once a week. And then also just our website has all the information. Perfect. Well, again, it's been great having you on the podcast today. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. So wasn't that really great information from Karina? I mean, it's, it's really, I think it's wonderful to know that there are these solutions out there. It's just a matter of making sure that we get you connected to them so you can find the ones that work best for you. And I think that Quill is really doing a fantastic job. It's one of those things that I think that's what what this podcast is all about. And what we try to do is bring good information to you as caregivers and help make your life a little bit easier. You know, Steve Ewell, who is the head of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation that puts on CES every year. So he really orchestrates a lot of these new technologies that are coming out, particularly for aging in place and age tech and caregiving tech. And he's talked a little bit about, I've been in a clubhouse um, room with him that Linda Sherman and Debbie Howard put on. And he's talked a little bit about how there, there are so many more things now for privacy for older adults so that they don't feel like they're being, you know, again, it's as Karina was saying, not being watched, but making sure, excuse me, a little frog in my throat there, making sure that, um, you know, that, that um, if there's different, if there's something happening that changes, that we can be made aware so that we can prevent some of those um, falls and other issues from happening. I also want to do a shout out because we're talking about technology and it is Heart Health Month. Um, there's a great company called LiveCore and they make a product called Cardia Mobile. Now you may have seen commercials. They're doing quite a bit of commercials on television these days, at least the shows I watch. I see them all the time. But if you're not familiar with this, this is another really great trend in technology for health as we age for all of us, but particularly, of course, as we're getting older. And so what um, Cardia Mobile is, is um, you can put these sensors, and you can put them on the back of your smartphone, but they also now offer it in, you can put it in, in your Apple Watch, or you can have a watch that uses the app, or you can also have almost like a credit card looking card that you can put in your wallet. What you do is you download the app, obviously, and then these sensors, you if you feel that maybe you're having um, what they call AFib. So there's two things that happen with your heart when it kind of flutters. Um, it can be pounding way too fast or it can be a little bit slower. So the pounding way too fast is called ta tachycardia and the slower beats are bradycardia. Both of them are showing risk for stroke. Um, and so you want to be really, really careful if you're having those heart flutters, you want to get checked out right away. But, you know, a lot of people live with this and they don't know when it's an emergency and when it's not. So what's great about this, and this is kind of more of the wearable technology, if you will, because it's something you're, you know, you've got with you that's wearable, or at least it's put your phone's wearing it. Um, you put your fingers on the sensors and it takes an immediate um, medical grade. FDA approved 
EKG. So it's the same as if you were waiting in the emergency room for hours and hours and hours for them to take an EKG. Well, you can do this now yourself and it is going to indicate, yes, you're having a very severe arrhythmia. You need to get to the ER immediately or no, you know, it looks like maybe this was just a a little bit of an anomaly, not too bad. You're okay. And you can also sync this up with your doctor so that your doctor would also get an immediate, um, you know, like a, a little indication, a text or something or an email indicating, okay, your patient, Sherry Selling, just took a cardiomobile test and here's what it showed. Um, so if the doctor has any concerns, then they at least are in the, you know, they're aware and they can also weigh in and give you a call or whatever it is. So these are the kinds of things that I love technology for because it really is making us better consumers of our own health. It's making a lot more us a lot more educated about what things like tachycardia and bradycardia are all about when it comes to our health, heart health. So I just want to do a shout out because I think Cardiomobile is one of the better um, wearables out there. There's so many different ones, but they're really thinking through, okay, it's a card in your wallet, it's on your smartphone, or it's on your, you know, your Apple watch or whatever and making sure that we're staying ahead of the game so that we can prevent some of those you know those tragedies that we see um so i want to also uh lean into what we were talking about earlier with solo agers so just so that you're familiar with the term solo agers really applies to older adults who are living alone at home so let me give you some statistics first of all there's 12 million adults over the age of 60 who live alone in the US that's about 27% of the um the over 60 crowd um 47% of women over the age of 75 live alone. Part of this is because women do live longer than men, although men are starting to close the gap, by the way. We are starting to see that in some of the um, life expectancy reports that come out. But women still do typically live about three years, maybe even four years longer than men. And so at the age of 75, that's where women are starting to outpace men in terms of longevity. Um, also, 10 million adults over the age of 65 live in rural areas. Now, for those of you who may be long-distance caregivers and, you know, maybe you have parents or even grandparents who live in rural, you know, in, in Montana or Colorado or Nebraska or, or wherever there isn't a whole lot of services and also there isn't a neighbor right next door, you know, the neighbor may be the next farm away, which could be, you know, a mile or so. Um, you know, it, it makes it really tough. It's a it's a challenging role for for caregivers to be long distance like that from their loved ones. And we know now that there was a lot more older people in these rural areas. And also, uh, you know, about 8 million of the 53 million total caregiver audience in the U.S. are carrying long distance. And that means more than two hours away. That means, again, you're not going to be able to jump in the car and get to your loved one in 20 minutes. It's going to be a drive or a plane ride or whatever it is to get to them. So, um, you know, there's a lot of disadvantages, of course, with long distance caregiving. There's certain disadvantages with living alone um, and being a solo ager. I'm a solo ager. So I know what that feels like. You know, you start to feel like, oh, what if I fell? You know, would anybody know for a few days? Um, So you start to think about these things. And this is, again, where technology can really come in to help to connect us when there is a problem or, you know, something where we aren't able to solve it on our own or um, be able to communicate easily. And um, so Maine, I mentioned Maine. It's really interesting because Maine is obviously one of the smaller states in the union. And yet Maine has per capita 
more people over the age 65 than any other state in the country. So they're really kind of like this little um, laboratory, if you will, for people who are in aging and, and gerontology like myself, because we take a look at what's happening in Maine and it kind of sets the tone and the course for the rest of the country. And so Maine does some pretty amazing things when it comes to long-term care, when it comes to really looking again at solo agers. And I just want to do a quick shout out because um, they're really taking a look right now now at, um, you know, home modification. And one of the reasons why they're looking to maybe either provide more funding for that or do some things that are going to help out, you know, people in Maine who are living alone in their homes longer is because there's been a lot of um, closing of nursing homes. Um, many nursing homes that are privately owned. Um, now, the nonprofits seem to be, you know, going okay, but there's a lot of closure that's happened since COVID with nursing homes. And what happens is, you know, you close that nursing home and now if your loved one cannot be cared for at home and that happens particularly again, very often in the Alzheimer's community with memory care, it's very difficult to keep a loved one at home until the very end stages. They do need to be overseen, supervised 24 seven by professionals who understand the disease. When you close that nursing home or that memory care center, the nearest one might be two or three hours away. Think of the burden that puts on family caregivers. Maybe you were just 20 minutes away and you could go visit your loved one. Well, now you're traveling two hours, three hours one way just to get to your loved one and see them. So it's a real, real burden and particularly in places like Maine. And so what they're looking to do is to really help out more with keeping people home longer, bringing the help into the home rather than having to have you move your loved one. And um, and so they've, they've really done some really innovative programs. They're really looking from the government perspective at supporting that. So I just want to do a little shout out there because there's a lot of things that are going on, but it's something to think about as a family caregiver. And it's not that you can ask a nurse home, gee, do you think you'll be in business for, you know, the next couple of years? But pay attention because, you know, there are some that might be on the brink of bankruptcy. And if there's any way, you know, there are some places um, and, you know, eldercare.gov is a great place to go. They might be able to guide you and at least give you some insights as to what they've heard. Geriatric care managers who help you put together care plans. Sometimes you can access those through your employer. It depends on what benefits you have. But if you can have one of those experts tell you what they think or what they've heard, it might change your decision on where you want your loved one to live um, if they are going to move into one of these assisted living or memory care or nursing home type uh, communities. So I just wanted to give you that shout out um, in our well, um, well home design um, news. And then lastly, I just wanted to quickly, and I'm going to have a link to this article on our episode guide page. But Porch, which is a home care agency, reached out to me recently and they said, hey, we would really love for you to do a guest article on how do you you know, what do you need to plan for if you're um, an adult family caregiver and you've decided that maybe mom or dad should come and live with you in your home, which is such a great question. So of course I said, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. So I, um, you know, wrote this article for them. As I said, I'm going to have a link on the episode guide page, but just so that you know, there's three P's that you need to think about. And then I'm, I'm not going to explain them. You can read the article, but it's, you know, you need to think about the privacy, both for yourself and your family as well as for your older loved one. You need to think about um, prevention, 
That's, you know, probably the biggest one, the safety things. What are the things you need to do to make your home more safe for someone who's a little bit older? And then third, of course, is the personalization. Because if you are going to have a loved one move into your home, you want at least the room where they are at and some other elements to make them feel like it's their home as well. So um, that article, I hope you'll find it enjoyable. As I said, I was really happy to do that for the folks at Porch. And I thank them for asking me to do that. And you can check that out on our episode guide page. So with that, I'm going to go into our Me Time Monday wellness hack. And as I said, we're going to continue our theme of living colorfully. This time it's red. Red is the color of love and energy and also heart health. So here you are, our Me Time Monday wellness hack. Welcome to the Me Time Monday wellness hack. For this episode, we are celebrating February with Valentine's Day and National Caregiver Day on February 17th. This wellness hack focuses on our theme of living colorfully with the color psychology of the color red. Red is mostly associated with energy, action, and can actually increase heart rates, which is why it is used for urgent or important messages such as stop signs, red lights, and warning labels. Red is also associated with the color of life and love, and studies have shown that red enhances the appetite, which is why fast food restaurants love the color. One study showed memory care residents with Alzheimer's increased their food and water intake simply by eating from red plates and cups. But for others, red can create fear, agitation, and it can also represent sin. Think of Halloween devil costumes or the Red Room in the erotic romance novel Fifty Shades of Grey. Red light can also heal. One study looked at brain scans of neurologically impaired patients after seeing the color red. In both Parkinson's patients and those with traumatic brain injuries, the color red actually showed a slight decrease in their negative symptoms. Now, Avicinia who was an early pioneer in the world of chemotherapy and the color healing arts back in AD 980, also reported among his findings that a person with a nosebleed should avoid looking at anything of a brilliant red color and should avoid red light because this stimulates the sanguineous humor, whereas blue, which represents water and ice, would soothe it and reduce blood flow. However, red light therapy is a treatment that uses low wavelength red light to reportedly improve your skin's appearance, such as reducing wrinkles, scars, redness, and acne. It has also been shown to help muscle tissue and other parts of your body heal. For caregivers, you can use our Me Time Monday program to find better heart and brain health and find wellness breaks throughout your week. Whether you put on a pair of red shoes and get some walking in or eat healthful red fruits and veggies, let the power of red fuel your energy to keep going for yourself and your loved one. We hope you enjoyed this Me Time Monday wellness hack. Each episode of our Caregiving Club on-air podcast feature a new Me Time Monday wellness hack. And check out more great wellness articles on our website for my upcoming book, Me Time Monday, the weekly self-care plan to balance body, brain, and a busy life. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Caregiving Club on Air. Please listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and other listening channels. Check out all the resources and article links on our episode guide page at caregivingclub.com. Just hit the podcast tab at the top, and you can email us with comments or questions at podcast at caregivingclub.com. I'm Sherry Snelling, and I wish you all to take care and stay well. <laughs>